Marvellous. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It is a bit like the old days. I felt a bit naughty just sitting with the team. Let me put a timer on. It's always helpful for me to have a timer. So you have lunch. Um, that is always my goal, that you have lunch roughly at lunchtime. Um, so the timer helps. Okay. Thank you for having me here. It is such an honour to come. I don't mind that Tim came first. It's okay. Um, but it is such an honour to come. And as, as Stuart said, we served on a team for quite a while together. And um, Stuart did this thing. I don't even, well, you might not even remember. I'm just going to talk about you for a while. Um, Stuart did this thing in this team. So I have a thing for equality, not just sort of where we just sort of lip service to it, but where we really sort of live it as well as talk it. And the language of equality is quite important. Anyway, in this meeting, we, we, we were on a growth curve, shall we say. Um, <laughs> um, for flowing in that area of gifting. And, um, and so I would often bring, um, maybe just a controversial, well, I basically brought my ovaries to the table as the women around the table, just, just would bring controversial, um, just encouragement every now and then. And Stuart used to do this thing. If he heard somebody say something that he thought he knows Helen's going to respond to this, he used to hover his hand like this above an imaginary red button. It's like, are you going to press it, Helen? Are you going to press it? <laughs> Which is really good. So you taught me to think a little bit more calmly. It's like, is it worth pressing the red button today or shall we just let it slide? Um, but I really, did appreciate um, serving with you, Stuart. I love your thinking. I love how you challenged then and still this sense of going deeper in the word and not just at face value, but looking at different angles and bringing a, um, a wisdom around that table, which has blessed our denomination as a whole over these last months and years and however the timeline's gone I've, I've lost track but I really did appreciate your wisdom but also more than that Judith come on so a year ago Judith come on she's going to get round of applause don't take that personally give it up for Judith <laughs> the um a year ago Judith nearly came to Bikina Faso with me she really wanted to come on a on a team um I hold you responsible for what no I don't um so it was an interesting team. I ended up rupturing my Achilles while I'm preaching. Um, but Judith, one, one of the things that you've done, for, as you do, um, one of the things that um, you have so blessed me with in the last 12 months in particular is how much you've prayed ongoingly. So I know that you prayed for that team. I know every day you were praying for us as we were ministering to a women's conference. Um, and Gareth's wife, Sarah, was with us. Um, that was fun. Um, holidaying with Sarah, come on, she's, she's not spoken to me since. No, that's not true. Um, it was a great time. But the fact that you prayed for us while we were away, you were as much part of that team and as much part of what God was doing, even though you were here and couldn't get the time off to be able to go there. But more than that, you prayed for me since, and I know that. You asked after my recovery, which has been slow and laborious. Um, but you, you've stuck with me when you didn't need to. And church, I commend these two to you because you have no idea how much they pray for you and just sit in that place for you, interceding and sticking with you on the way. Because if they'll do that for me, then for sure they do that for family. Close up family. So um, thank you for that. And how exciting we get to have a weekend away together. Come on. Now, this has been in our diaries for about 18 months, so get it in your diary now. But more than that, this has been in the Lord's diary for a long time, that there is a set-apart weekend opportunity. And I do feel like today is a little bit of an audition. Like, you're thinking, well, we'll just see if it's any good. 
And if we like how you sound, maybe we'll come. Um, but, you know, it's more than what happens just in those rooms when we're gathering around the word. You know, because there's tea and coffee times, loads of food gets served at Ashburnham. And there's walking times around that beautiful place. It is, I've been there several times and it is utterly stunning. And there is, a, there is an open space for heaven. Do you know what I mean by that? There's an open space for heaven in Ashburnham. And I commend it to you. However you can work it out to get the time and the money to be there, um, it, it will be so worth it because God's got a purpose and a plan and he loves it when his kids get together with set-aside time. So, so put it in your diaries. Is that good? Some of you are like, you yeah, know, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Um, that's okay. We're coming to the word scene. Um, just before I forget, because I, I get told off my own church if I forget to say this, I did bring some books with me. <clears throat> so I brought Tim's book. That's a great book. Um, if you didn't get it last time, The Power of One, that's a, a book about unity. And then, um, not that we're competing, um, I've written a few more. Um, and so... <laughs> Actually, we've written a book together that's all about not competing, so I should talk about that one first. So No More Friendly Fire is ending the gender war in the church, and that is really looking at how we can be a people who are gift before gender. And so that book is there if you're interested in that. Um, And then I've also written three devotionals, and they're all 40-day devotionals, basically because the first one was 40 days, and so after that it needed to just work that they were all 40 days. Um, But the first one was Be Victorious, going with Jesus through the wilderness, and because he went through for 40 days, it just flowed. Um, And then Be Fruitful and Be Joyful, you can guess what they're about. Um, And they're at the back, so I'll maybe loiter if I remember to get back there. Um, And you can come and chat, and you can come and have a look at them. And if you buy them all there'll be discounts. Um, And all the money goes to our church, which is really great, which means you're sowing into Watford and to Burkina Faso and Sierra Leone and Ethiopia and a few other places around the globe and lots of mission in our local town. So that's a good thing to sow into Watford, right? Again, some of you are like, "Mm, (laughs) Watford, is it north? (laughs) Okay, so look, these are my favorite people on the planet. Um, So you've all met, if you didn't skive that morning, um, you've all met my favorite husband, that's Tim. He, um, you know, it's okay to have a favorite husband, right? <laughs> he is my only one, but I have had about five versions of him, and I'm particularly fond of the version that's now, because you know how we all change, right, over time. He's at a particularly, particularly great stage, so, so that's good. Um, in the middle, we have Bethany. She's my favorite Bethany. She's, um, oh gosh, I've really wronged her. Do you know, I was listening to your sermon on the way here that you did brilliantly, by the way, do it again. Um, not that sermon, because they'd, they'd notice. Um, but speak. Um, but when you were talking about don't exasperate, from Colossians, right, don't exasperate your children. We have just done a terrible parent fail with our eldest. I think she wants to trade us in for another version now. But we, um, so we went to Vienna for half term for just a few days. Um, and we took our youngest two because they have half term. Well, she's a student. She shouldn't have half term. So we didn't even tell her. No, we did just before we went. Like, she did find out. Um, but she was furious that this was like a family holiday that she didn't get to go on. It's like, it's not a family holiday that's in the summer this is just a half term break (laughs) it like made a parent fail like if you're going to do that you know you need to give them advance notice and you need to make it sound really boring but we were like oh we're going to be in anyway she's she's she loves the lord so she will forgive us um she has to um then this is my favorite hannah she's the other one not the one in the middle um she's she's gcse's anyone in the room doing gcse's they all run away I don't know whether to pray for you the most or your parents, um, because you get a certificate at the end of it, all things being well. Parents, we get nothing, just survival. Um, but um, this is our favorite Hannah. And um, around Vienna, she took 2,000 photographs in three days. 
I think that's quite good going. She is a photography student, and most of them were of windows and reflections. Um, and she's a stunning photographer, um, so we're, we're okay with that. But 2,000. Aren't you just glad you're in a digital age? Just imagine going to the chemist to get them developed. Um, and then David is our favourite son. We can actually call him that as opposed to just our favourite David. Um, he's very thrilled that he's the only boy. Um, so he's our favourite son. And he's a drummer. Where's the drummer? How old are you? 16. So I have a thing for drummers. Don't take that the wrong way. Don't be scared. I have a thing... <laughs> I have a thing for drummers because our David is a drummer um, and so I'm drawn to it. So I apologise that I was staring at you and you noticed because um, it's like <laughs> that's always off-putting, I know. But there's a thing about drumming, you know this, you could lead the whole shebang because you're bringing the biggest noise of rhythm and you're bringing the pace and you could lead. But a great drummer of which you are, a great drummer doesn't lead, a great drummer is a brilliant follower because you have to follow the dude in the middle. Whereas you could, sorry, you just become a dude. You could, you could mess up the pace, you could take it faster or slower, and everyone in the band would have to follow you. But actually, as a great drummer, you take the lead of, in this case, the worship leader. And I just want to encourage you, because there is an anointing on you. I hope you know this. I'm sure lots of people have told you this. There is anointing on you, but don't be afraid of the second chair leadership. By that I mean you might not always be in the prime position of front point leadership, whatever that is, in a worship band or in any context. You might be in a second chair leadership, but in the second chair you will, you will change the culture, because that's what drummers do, right? They change culture. You are a culture setter by choice of instrument. Um, you are a culture setter. And I believe the Lord wants to encourage you that as you remain really, really closely following him, he's going to put you in circumstances. I'm guessing you're still in school. You should be. Go back to school. Um, you should be. Um, in school, you will be able to change the pace of the culture around you by following Jesus. So sometimes that will be bringing speed to what people are doing. Sometimes it'll be slowing down. They've heard enough. So just... Be, be you, be beautifully you, because there's something on your life, which is very exciting. I look forward to seeing you at Ashburnham. And I'll try not to stare every time you lead the drums, but it's just because about my son. Okay, it's nothing weird. Okay, look, I feel like we really should get to the word. Don't you think that would be a good thing to do? Um, let's take the family off, because that's... So we're going to um, spend a few moments in the word of God, and we're going to, if you're like a note taker, or you like talk titles, um, then it will be this time next year. And I have never been more excited about coming to a visiting church with a word burning in me than I am for this word, partly because in the prayer time, half of my verses were um, mentioned, and Stuart's already mentioned one of my verses from the front, and there's a sense of God doing stuff. And I love the series you have just had of Limitless. What a beautiful, challenging, stretching series. Now, I haven't heard it all, but I have heard some. And there is a sense of what I'm bringing today is building on what God started in you and amongst you when looking at your Limitless series. So I will potentially reference some of it as we go, um, but it's just building on what God has already started in 2019 for you. And interestingly, some of the key verses of the first verses I'm going to read are verses that as a church in Watford, we're sitting in this verse for all year. So there's something just burning and burning in me, and I love the way God overlaps what he's doing in our churches. So Ephesians 3, 16, all the way through um, to 20. Ephesians 3, 20 is what Stuart prayed earlier. Let me read this to you. I pray 
that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Not just know about it, but may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Listen up to this. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Your challenge and invitation and encouragement as a church is to go into a limitless capacity with God. And here Paul writes to the Ephesians, similarly to how he writes to the Colossians, and he is saying, okay, God wants to do something, not through your cleverness, thank you, Jesus, not through your skills or qualifications, but through his ability, his power working within us all to be able to outwork something that is more than we might ask or imagine. So what will life be like this time next year? If you consider your own personal circumstances, if you consider the circumstances of this church, of this town, of this area, if you consider the circumstances of our nation, what will life be like this time next year? Are you a church we can mention Brexit without just fighting? What will life be like this time next year? Now, there's some verses. You'll all know them. Um, In Isaiah, let me just pull it up. In Isaiah, the prophecy that Isaiah brought, he said these thoughts um, as part of it. I'm just going to read you a couple of verses. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, when I used to read those particular verses, I used to take these verses as comfort for not understanding what was going on. So if everything was going really messy, and I thought, God's up to something, but I have no idea, it's okay, his thoughts are not like my thoughts. And I almost use this as an opt-out for thinking. It's okay, I don't need to understand, God's in control. But actually, I've come to realize and through Paul's encouragement and what he's saying to you, what the Lord is saying to you about limitless is actually it's not about not thinking. It's about thinking more. It's not about just saying it's satisfied and saying this is enough. This is good enough. I'm going to stop here. It's about expanding and believing for more. And I believe we're coming into a season here and as a nation of of followers of Christ that we're going to see him do immeasurably more. And for that, we need a different perspective. So where God's word is that my thoughts are higher, then he needs to take us higher. Remember the words from Ephesians is experiencing the (laughs) the height and width and length and depth of God's love. He wants to take us higher. He wants to take us further. Are you ready to go further? Are you ready to experience? experience more and it's okay if you say well I don't know because we're going to take a little journey and look at the yes but house we're going to jump into a story 
that is really well known to anyone who's grown up in the church because you'd have done it in Sunday school. And we're going to look at a story that's involved with our forefather and mother of faith, Abraham and Sarah. So do you all go back to the Old Testament? We're okay in the Old Testament? We're going back to the Old Testament where we can get kind of like the shadows of what is coming with Jesus coming in the New Testament. And let me read you some verses and then we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. Genesis 17. We're jumping into Abraham's story before he had the the breath of God breathed in, just as he was still Abraham. When Abraham was 99 years old, any 99ers in this church? Not yet? (laughs) Give it time. Okay, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you need to read it too. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, Your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and your descendants have this continued responsibility. We're then going to pause. He then goes on to talk about circumcision. And um, we're not going to go there now. Stuart's going to bring that in a series. (laughs) Um, In due course. In fairness, we've already had the circumcision of the heart mentioned. So I think the series is set up for you really nicely. Um, Okay, so here we have um, Abraham (laughs) becoming Abraham. We've got this promise coming to him that he's going to be a father to many, that he's going to be a landowner. But let's have the facts. Let's look at how life was for Abraham right at the minute at the beginning. So he was childless, yet he was being promised an extensive family. He was a nomadic foreigner in the area that he was, but he was being told that he was going to own land, land that would become the property of descendants after him. And he was 99 years old and being told there is a new beginning, a new name, a new season being ushered in, never ever exclude yourself because of your age, whether it's young or old, because of the purposes of God, because he will not be limited by what we limit ourselves with, as you all know. So Abraham was going from being childless to being the father of many, to being nomadic foreigner, into being a landowner, rooted where he can ultimately bear fruit of transformational nature, and he has a new beginning. Okay, let's leap back into the story. Okay, Genesis 17, we're going down to 15 because we've missed out the circumcision, as I said. Over to you. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, 
Her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly. And she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground. But he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 99 years old? So Abraham said to God, May Ishmael live under your special blessing. But God replied, no, Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I love that. Yeah, okay, if that's what you want, Abraham, I'll do that as well. But there's something bigger. (laughs) Um, So as for Ishmael, I will bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. When God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. Now, before we go much further, I need to point out one thing. I am not prophesying babies. I'm not saying that anybody of a certain age is suddenly going to find themselves pregnant. Um, and that, so you can relax um, because that's not what we're doing here. But there is a sense of a question that's being posed to Abraham. What will you believe for this time next year? Now, every time God spoke to Abraham, did you notice his response? His response was first to bow. His response was first to worship. His response was first to surrender all like we've been singing, to submit himself, to lower himself and say, less of me and more of you, Lord. His first response was to do that. And God kept saying, you need to live a blameless life. You need to follow this. You need to follow me really closely because then this can happen. There is a partnership. We cannot be a people who just expect blessing if we won't bring our devotion, if we won't bring our obedience, if we won't bring our followership to the king of all kings. But here we have God saying, this time next year, it's all beginning. You will have the first of your many descendants. You will be coming into a place where kings will follow through. This time next year, this old man and this woman. And Abraham's response after the bowing down was to laugh. This is ridiculous. Have you seen me? This is ludicrous. She's worn out. I'm old. When was your future so ludicrous in the hands of the Lord that all you could do was laugh? When, was your, when did you give God permission to be, have such a limitless future for you that all you could do was laugh? Because it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. Aren't we so contained? We can do so much in our own strength. We can do so much through our own resources. Yet God is saying, I want to do something more than you could think or imagine. I want to bring my ability and my power at work within you that actually your future is ridiculous. That everyone else around you is going to be going, how did that happen? Because then you can say, well, it's only God. 
Because look how old I am. Look how worn out I am. Look how everything that is gone. Let's jump back into the story for just a few moments. <clears throat> so Genesis 18 now. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with the visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. We're going to skip out the cooking bit. Verse 8, because we'll all get too hungry. It's just distracting. Um, all right, they said, do as you have said. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the tree. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarai will have had a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me, don't you just love this version, how can a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is so old? And then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This time next year, there will be a generation being birthed in this community. This time next year, that which seems dried up and dying off is going to burst into life. This time next year, we're going to have the opportunities to invest in our communities such that the world will suddenly wake up and see Jesus' love right there in the midst because Jesus himself is going to work through his ability and his power within us to do more than we can infinitely ask or think. You know the thinking part that Paul was talking about to the Ephesians? If you take that word and understand its root, it's about reasoning. It's about what we can reason. We need to go with Jesus to a place where we can no longer reason it, where we can no longer fathom it, where we can no longer explain things away and say, well, they were just really good at doing that. We need to go into the realms with Jesus where it is completely unreasonable. Completely and utterly unreasonable, where nothing makes sense anymore, and you just keep going around and going, Wow, did you see what God did? Wow. Where sickness is healed miraculously, but where there's medical documentation, documentation, put a word in there that works, documentation, <laughs> where there's medical, that thing, proving, Yeah, this is, I don't understand it, this is unfathomable, but this has happened. Maybe God has done something. Really quickly, I was healed of terminal secondary cancer um, about 20 years ago. 
And um, after 10 years of the doctors looking for the primary and sort of working out what was going on, and all the time I had on record saying, well, I think Jesus has healed me because this is what he said. Um, and, you know, I don't have time for the story behind the book. Um, so we had the, um, this out working, and on my records, where well, she thinks she's a Christian, she thinks she's healed. And 10 years into this whole journey of saying, well, I'm a Christian and Jesus has healed me, um, the doctors went, well, oh, doesn't make sense, but... Maybe you've been healed. And it is possible to live in the unfathomable. It is possible to live in that which is unreasonable. It is possible to live where your thinking has no limits that are currently containing us because Jesus wants to do something through his spirit. Are you up for it? Let me give you a couple of reasons why we sometimes struggle with this. Last week, Stuart was talking about disappointments and distractions. And I want to remind you of that because I think these are two very important reasons that can stop us from even being willing to go there again. Imagine Sarah. Imagine her month after month disappointment. And eventually that month after month disappointment would have stopped. And she would no longer have monthly reminders. She would just have a forever reminder that that season never came to pass that she was never the mum that she had longed to be. And if you've ever been in a place where you've been trying to have a family and not able to produce a family, the frustration and the pain and the heartache is a monthly journey. The gap between my first favourite child and my second favourite child was not a planned gap. It just was a gap. It was not our desire. It was not our purposing. Health challenges, the cancer season came into that bit of it, but that had nothing to do with my fertility. I just went into secondary infertility. And month after month of disappointment, God gave Tim a dream. He's not normally a dreamer, but God gave Tim a dream. I mean, he might have dreams, but none that you go, oh, the Lord has spoken. Um, so Tim woke up and said, I know the name of our next two children. Now, we were two years into trying, and we still had another couple of years or more um, of trying to have a child. And he said, he woke up, I know the name of your next two children. It's like, wow, we were only wanting one more. So that was like, oh, wait for a bus and two come along. Um, so it's like, okay, what are the names? And it's like Hannah and David. Now, no offense to any Davids in the room. It is now my favorite boy name. But at the time, I was like, really, David? Can we, can we ask about that one again? Hannah, straight there. But I wasn't completely convinced by David. Now, of course, I'm totally convinced. Um, but we knew the name. And you know what we had to do? We had to begin praying for David and Hannah every day, month after month, year after year, praying for them by name, while human reasoning would have limited and said, this is ridiculous. After I had Hannah, I fell pregnant really quickly. Who knew? Um, so I ever, and I was really shocked. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant again. And the Lord literally told me in almost audible words, like, well, I did tell you. So, so I don't know why you're surprised. So I had to rein back my surprise. And then in these moments, we went to the doctor. He scanned my belly, laughed at Tim saying, you know, statistically, you're just about to have three girls, right? This is statistically it. He said, live ready for three girls. To which I pipe up, and we know it's a boy. Because God's told us in a dream. We know this is David. The doctor couldn't reason this. He said, well, that's a ridiculous notion. Statistically, you're likely to have a girl. Um, so he scanned me and said, oh, maybe that dream was from God. Because there was David. Anyway, let's come back to our distractions. <laughs> Quite appropriately. Okay, a little bit before that, in the story that we looked at, we go back into the story of Abraham. 
And it says this, one day Terah took his son Abraham. So this is Abraham's dad now. And he took his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abraham's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Now, this might not even mean anything to you, but let me show you this beautiful little map. All to scale, and he even looks like that. Okay, so here we have, okay, so on this map, don't worry too much about this beautiful and concerning person here um, who's meant to be Abraham. Um, but look, we've got some places. So here we have Ur, the UR bit, that Ur bit on this side. Then up the top is Haran, but they were aiming for Canaan. So Terah, Abraham's dad, was aiming for Canaan. And who wouldn't want to go to Canaan? I mean, like Sea View. It'd be nice, right? And on his journey that goes up and over the terrain, he stopped at Haran and settled there. He settled halfway. Family, if we want to experience the limitless, if we want to experience the infinitely more than we might ask or imagine, if we want to fully see God's ability and power at work within us, then we must never settle halfway. Don't settle for, well, this is good enough. This will do. There's enough seats for everyone. We don't need another service. I'm not prophesying that, by the way. And just a thought. We can settle, can't we? Well, I'm comfortable. I've got all I need. Got the perfect partner. Got the perfect job. Like my hairstyle. This will do. No, 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 no. You see, if we settle for halfway, we miss the fullness of the infinitely more. What's more, do you notice this? We've gone into a generational thing here. When God was speaking to Abraham, he was talking about the generations to come. It would have been quite understandable if Abraham modeled himself on his father and said, well, he settled halfway, it's good enough for me, and didn't go as far as he was called to go because of his father stopping halfway. Never, ever limit what God does through you by what God has done through previous generations. Just because nobody else has done it does not mean to say he can't do it through you. Just because your parents or the leaders before you or the leaders before the leaders before the leaders before you stopped where they stopped. It doesn't mean to say that God can't do immeasurably more through you just because he didn't do it through them. Don't be limited by your previous generation. And for young people, this is so important. Stand on the shoulders of anyone who can hold you up. Go further. Go further than anyone that has been before you. Go as far as the Lord will take you, that there'll be no limit to his power working through you. The final little bit, we're nearly on the landing. Oh, there's no timer at the back. <laughs> okay, Genesis 12.1, this is another reason why it can sometimes be difficult to go into the limitless and to the infinitely more. Genesis 12.1, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. This is a small point. We need to go where the Lord will show us. We need to step into the purposes that the Lord has for us. And we can all be very good at making our own plans. We can all be very good at bringing about our purposes. But the Lord wants to show you something more. Remember how when he was trying to talk to Abraham about how many kids he was going to have, instead of looking down at the amazing lack of children running around the tents, he said, lift your eyes up, see the stars. 
We have to lift our eyes off of our limiting factors, of our limitations, and look up to where only God can do what we do. One final thing, nearly final thing. <laughs> I say that a lot. I will come into land. Okay, so one of the things, what did I do? Oh, yes. Oh, don't go to there straight away because it's scary. So Abraham did go on to have children. Okay, who went on to have children, and so there were grandchildren and everything. And I just want to show you one more thing, which is a limiting factor that can stop us, but actually God is saying, I have the power to do something amazing. Read this with me. So in Genesis 27, this is what was so called a blessing given to Esau. Do you remember the story of Esau and Jacob? Can you jump into the thoughts really quickly? They were wrestling from right within the womb, and they came out, and, and Esau was hungry, so he sold the birthright to Jacob, the younger, slightly younger twin, and, and he nicked it. And then Jacob, you know, dressed up as a sheep and got the other blessing. Are you with me with the story? Okay, so then Esau is begging his dad, going, bless me anyway, bless me anyway, bless me anyway. And Esau, Esau got this blessing, which arguably does not look like a really great blessing. And it is the sort of blessing you're going to go, maybe it's okay that I don't have one. Um, but this is what was said. You will live far away from the richness of the earth, thanks, Dad, and away from the dew of the heaven above. You will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. That doesn't sound so great, does it? Okay, listen to this. But when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Earlier on when we were praying, my sister prayed this verse. Don't copy the behavior from Romans, Paul writing to the Romans. Don't copy this behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. This time next year, the Lord wants to take us from where we are into an experience of him that is more than we've ever experienced to date. doesn't matter if you've experienced a lot or a little. There is more. This time next year, God wants to have revealed his good and pleasing and perfect will by showing his ability and his power at work within anyone who's willing to make themselves available. Is that you? We can be scared when we look at our future. We can be scared for the nation when we look at the uncertainty. Or we can laugh with a confidence in the one who holds the future, who writes the map, who sees further than we can, who sees from a higher and different perspective. And we can line our thinking up with his. We can take our eyes off our circumstances and put them to the stars and say, Lord, show me what you see. Let me see what you see. Let me experience your power and your ability at work in us and through us and around us. And let us be people who will shake off the negative lies that would tell us we can't be that person. The negative lies that contained Sarah into her barrenness that she was able to laugh off Proverbs 31, the wife of noble repute, she can laugh at the days to come without fear of the future.
The invitation is for this time next year, how big can you dream? How much can you go beyond the reasonable into the ludicrous, hilarious, ridiculous, amazing stories of Christ working with his power through us? Be good to pray, wouldn't it? And do you banned people want to come and live ready to do something banned like <laughs> we'll see who's going to lead now no i'm just kidding you lead you follow do you need me to get out of the way most people say yes to that so i won't be offended okay we're going to pray and i want to invite you to choose a posture that is comfortable to you you might want to stay sitting. There's no right or wrong way to this. You might want to stay sitting. You might want to kneel down. You might want to stand up. But I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to fill us afresh. And if you're somebody who feels that you've stopped halfway, you've stopped dreaming, you've settled, I want to give you permission to between you and the Lord now, just shake it off. Shake off that yoke, that lie that this is as good as it's going to get. Confess it. Say sorry for it. And ask God to fill you by his spirit with his power because he is able. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here with us. Lord, I thank you that you've taken this church family on a journey already this year to explore what it would be to live a limitless life with you. And I thank you, Lord, for the word about this time next year of things being so different when you're at work. And right now, Lord, I want to pray for everybody in this room who's opening themselves to you. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Fill us afresh. Fill us with your power and ability. Fill us with your ability to dream dreams, to think beyond the limits of our previous thought limits. To trust you with our future. Lord, I pray for those people who are in really difficult job situations where it seems impossible to see a way through the situation, either to get work or to be able to cope with the work that you've got or to be able to get into that job that you'd prefer where your gifts will fit even more. I pray for people in those situations, Lord, that you would give them the ability to serve and rest contentedly, knowing that you are going to bring about the change that is in their hearts and beyond that, something that's even better than they could ask or imagine. Lord, for people who are stuck in a halfway place, limited by those who have gone before, Lord, I pray that you will fill each and every one with your power, your ability to go further. Lord, may this church have hallmarks of freedom, hallmarks of kingdom miracles. Because you are going to do more than we can even imagine or think.